0: Hello. Welcome again to the Wide World of Wargaming, Age of Sigmar podcast. As always, I am your host, Alex Gonzalez, with my good friends and fellow hosts, Garrett and John. Uh, We have a lot to talk about tonight. This is episode two of our LVO uh, pre-event coverage. And we're going to talk a little bit about the missions uh, for LVO Age of Sigmar Champions uh, uh, tournament, uh, as well as uh, possible speculation on how those secret top eight missions might be or which ones they might end up becoming. Uh, But then we're also going to talk about some uh, new surprises and fun little snippets and news about some really uh, great projects that Garrett and John are going to be participating in at LVO. But before we get to that, as always,
1: John, what is on your workbench in particular tonight? Hey, Alex. How you doing tonight, my friend? Man, the excitement is in the air. I cannot wait for LVO next week. Oh, my gosh. I am (laughs) exploding with energy. I tell you what. (laughs) Uh, My non-gaming friends wish I would shut up and my gaming friends uh, they just want to hear more of course. So here we are on uh, pull down the fourth wall a little bit it is Monday the 13th when we are recording I mention it so that we can all give glory to the great horned rat here on his first celebration day of the year. (laughs) And to celebrate that, I brought out a little bit of the old Glenlivet 12 single malt, so that's what I'll be enjoying as we record tonight. Uh, Other than that, I actually had some stuff on my workbench, as I mentioned in last week's episode. This weekend, I was able to attend the CK Studios Hobby Progress Airbrush class up at Carl Tuttle's. Astronomicon. Uh, I'm very fortunate. Uh, A lot of you may know Carl Tuttle of The Independent Characters, the actual number one 40K podcast that is out there. And uh, I wouldn't say he's a neighbor of mine, but uh, I do live in a small town of Morgan Hill, and he just lives a couple miles away. And so Carl at his place uh, frequently hosts uh, large events like this. And so eight students Four teachers, it was amazing, with Cat uh, Jackson and Caleb of CK Studios, as well as Justin Kiefer. Uh, a lot of you AOS players may know Justin from the Lords and Heroes podcast, uh, so that was pretty cool. And of course, um, one of the other people that was in the class was Adon Tejada, who is going to be one of Garrett and I's co-hosts as we're doing the shoutcast for the uh, LVO AOS championships coming up next week. So it was uh, uh, a lot of fun to actually uh, hang out with Adon, uh kind of get reacquainted, uh, so that, you know, we're going to spend some time talking next week. And, of course, uh, we are actually sitting right by each other, so I got to take a real cool look. Um, he was working on some, uh, some Space Wolves. Uh, I, myself, decided to start painting my Sisters of Battle, wanting to take on a little bit of a challenge. Uh, you know, I've been airbrushing for for decades, but I've actually taken several CK classes over the years, and I feel that I have a very strong, uh, you know, when it comes to color and using color. But I wanted a challenge. People always say that painting white and painting black are the two hardest colors. So for this class this weekend, we had to bring a squad. I brought a seraphim squad and a vehicle. I brought a rhino and I painted the seraphim squad in white and I painted the rhino in black. And I got to say is I got a lot of practice before I master either black or white. But I can tell you for sure, I have some white seraphim and a black rhino right now. So uh, so that was that. Uh, So, again, uh, real great class. A lot of fun. Looking forward to next week and uh, the LVO. And uh, hey, Garrett, um, now I mentioned that I was hanging out with Adon this weekend. Uh, not sure if you know Adon. Uh Have you guys met before?
2: We possibly could have met. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I've met a lot of people going to all these major events, and I tend to have issues forgetting f- names to faces a lot. <laughs> if I have met him, I'm sure I'll recognize him as soon as I meet him again. Oh, so you're saying it's um, like when you
1: see somebody's face – you completely remember, oh, yeah, I know you, but maybe just off the name, you're like, eh, it blends into the, no. the noise. Like, yeah, well, exactly. What, yeah.
0: What Garrett's saying is he's so popular, he's so <laughs> well-known, and he meets so many people doing what he does that he's just like, oh, did I meet you? Oh, oh, we shared three drinks two years ago? Oh, whatever.
2: Actually, that, that has happened to me. Um, like, oh, geez. Some-
0: okay, geez, I was joking, well, but you're just a big old jerk.
2: Well, no, it, it was, it's more like I was like hanging out with these people and like, they were talking to me as if it, it was, uh, some of the guys playing in my Warhammer Underworlds tournament at Nova. Mm. They're like, Hey Garrett, like they're talking like, so how's, how's your, uh, you know, your fiance. And then I'm like, Oh, I got married now. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, how do I know these guys? And then it clicked. I got really drunk with them at Nova, and so I don't actually remember them. I didn't actually remember them until it clicked with me because I was like, wait, I only talked to you guys because I was like when I was wasted. So my sober because I did them. Uh, I was like, I wasn't drinking at this last Nova. And so I was not drunk anymore. And I didn't recognize them until it all clicked for me. Oh, that's So, great. yeah, it has actually happened to me that it was like, oh, yeah, I had a bunch of drinks with you and I, I forgot who you were. Oh, right. That's who you are. That
0: is wonderful.
2: Um but yeah no I'm actually uh if, if if I have met you Adon I'm really sorry if I don't remember you but I'm really excited to work with you uh talking with you for going into the for the shoutcasting uh it seems like you really know your stuff and I'm really excited to see uh you do your stuff your work for it um but on my workbench uh I have had a crazy weekend and my week was basically leading up to this weekend um, so Friday, uh, I packed up all of my stuff. I had to drag, uh, a bunch of terrain that I collected from the community and got all my terrain, went up to, uh, Huzzah Hobbies set and set up 10 tables for my tournament on Saturday that night. So we could just wake up, get registration done and get going. And, Then we had 18 of the 22 people show up. Luckily we had 20 people registered and then two more people registered. Luckily two people didn't show four people didn't show up because I only had 10 tables set up and I was freaking out that I was going to have to set up another table. Uh, The store does have 16 tables, uh, but I only had enough mats and terrain for 10. Hey man, if you
1: got tape on the floor, you have a gaming table.
2: Yeah, but uh, I do really want to give a shout out to uh, Corey Wiggins, James O'Brien, uh justin smith uh jason bales all guys in the community they really rallied got me all the terrain and mats that i needed uh, huzzah hobbies uh they were able to get me a bunch of stuff too and we i was able to put on a really good show so saturday was a event we got 18 people day of i wasn't able to play because there was an even number of players but i was able to like you know walk around uh play around with some list stuff some list sciencing stuff based on what the list was submitted and uh generally just have a good time not a lot of rules questions um the most rules questions came up on duality of death and i'll get into that later on when we start talking about the missions uh but so yeah it was a lot of fun uh james o'brien ended up taking it all as he does um so We'll uh, we we'll, we'll see how he does at LVO. He's been kicking ass since Nova, um, and uh, we and had and technically
1: before Nova, he was already kicking some. Yeah, ass, if I remember back to War Games. Uh,
2: sup- <laughs> I was actually really surprised there was a Ma Tribes player that brought three Stonehorns, two uh, Battleline Stonehorns, and one Frostlord, and he actually went three and zero. He beat uh, Slaves to Darkness list pre FAQ. Uh, he beat bone reapers he beat marathi like he just like crunched through and like i watched a bunch of his games i just like came over and i was actually really surprised with the damage output and just like honestly like a lot of people have underestimated my tribes and i think he like came in and showed you can make a good Mod tribes list and you can go three and zero at a tournament um so that was really good and then uh, third place – so he got second place. And then third place was also a 3-0 player, uh, was Walker Clough. And he was playing Osiarch Bone Reapers. So Effects Elite, not pretty standard. Uh, but yeah, so it was a great day. Uh, and then I got to go home, fall asleep, wake up, set up my house, and then leave – to go to New York, up in Medford, New York, where I went to the uh, Canine Companions for Independence headquarters. uh, And while I stayed at a hotel Sunday night, wake up to this morning, Monday, and go through orientation, get my eight-week-old puppy, and drive home. Ooh, nice. So, yeah, so I've had a crazy weekend. I just got back from New York. I have a sleeping eight-week-old puppy on the ground next to me. And I have a crazy, jealous five year old golden retriever sleeping upstairs away from the puppy. And uh, I'm in for a fun times leading into LVO, get to take care of a nice new puppy and all that fun jazz while also digging through the list of missions and getting everybody ready for LVO and then getting ready to go out there and do some shout casting. But I am super excited. Uh, I've never done shout casting. And I'm just, I'm actually really, really excited to do it now. The more I think about it, the more I talk about it. And so, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's what I got going for me on my workbench. I have another bold rock IPA hard cider. So just uh, enjoying one of these before the craziness all sets in, but yeah, that's me, Alex. How, uh, yeah, how's your life been going this last week?
0: Oh, it's been going good. Been going real good. I uh, don't have as many crazy things going on as you do. So, you know, I'm thankful for that. But, um, you know, getting a lot of stuff done. I have on my workbench, as always, Bone Reapers. Um, I went to our good friend and fellow host Jeremy's house just yesterday and just kind of spent the whole day um, playing the two lists that I was uh, on the fence about against him. Um, and you know, we actually, um, one of the, or they were both, uh, LVO missions. And, uh, I have some thoughts to share when we get there about some of the missions. Um, but, uh, one of them was a very close loss against one of his, um, he also had two LVO lists that he wasn't sure which one to bring. Um, it was a close loss, um, like a minor loss, um, for one game because I bubble wrapped my harvester and was just like, he's not going to roll boxcars to charge. I'm safe there. And then he rolled a boxcars to charge and killed a harvester with go Um, and he also killed catacross with go track. Um, uh, but catacross also by himself basically did like seven wounds to go So he was hanging out with like one wound left and the Mortech just kind of, um, wrapped it up from there. But, um, uh, yeah, it, that was a, a close one. And it was a list that we realized was not going to be a good list for him for LVO. Then we brought he brought another one, which is a lot more true to our French overlords style. And uh, I brought the list that was less useful, but the one that I had more opinions about, um, the one that didn't have Catacross in it. And I overextended myself immediately. And I also play, uh, read a rule wrong. I didn't, uh, I it was the Realm of Highish Mission. Um, and it was the one where, If you're in cover, you get minus or your opponent's minus one to hit against you. And uh, I figured cover and then benefiting from cover were two different things. That was my bad. So I put Arkin kind of up front near some terrain, near mystical terrain, but also like in cover, like on like completely on cover to to benefit from a minus one to hit, realizing that not realizing that, you know, because he's a behemoth or a monster he does not benefit from any cover whatsoever which means that he doesn't actually he's not actually in cover despite being in cover he's he's in cover Um, but gets no
1: benefit right is that how it works
0: no it's not even like that it's straight up if you're a behemoth you don't you you're not in cover even though you're on cover completely yeah so rule rule that i had misread and uh i paid for but even then like i could see the the picture was in the pudding. Um, I, I had chosen my list right then and there. So, uh, yeah, uh, that means that there's a few less models, specifically five less models. I have to paint which is great, and uh, I'm already thinking about a doubles list in case I'm not in the top eight. Which you know you never know. Um, and yeah, I'm just kind of finishing up some of my units. Not everything's going to be completely 100% done with edge highlighting, but we're going to have everything at least 85 painted, 85% painted, if not 100 by LVO. So I'm excited uh, to have that happen. Kind of repainting my Bone tithe Nexus uh, to have a little bit more of a darker hue, darker feel and we are just uh cleaning some stuff up i lost one of my crystals on the four pillars that are on the four corners of your of the um bone type nexus so i completely cut down the little four pronged ends of the bone type nexus and i um i was able to successfully like get some crystals at like michael's right like uh totally destroyed like two pairs of earrings to get these like crystals and i'm just gonna put them on there and do some painting with them and and it's gonna look pretty cool it's gonna look pretty tight um and then i am also drinking willamette vineyards uh rosé because we had some in the fridge and uh my fiance wasn't gonna finish it so here i am finishing it um (laughs) And uh, yeah, but you know, my workbench is just a small factor here. Um, you know, and, and today is, of course, the list deadline for LVO. So if everyone's listening to this episode, you are already too late and probably have a yellow card if you haven't uploaded your list. But if you haven't, uh, or if you have already, then you're you're good. You're, <laughs> uh, yeah, that that yellow but, card
1: thing is is no baloney because <clears throat> not only can you get a yellow card for. Uh, Uploading your list late. If you upload it on time, but your formatting's wrong, you also get a yellow card if you don't correct it by midnight. And then you're given a grace period. And if you don't correct it by the grace period, you can take a second yellow card. So you can actually go into the event carrying two yellow cards for failing to submit your list correctly and correcting those problems.
0: That is correct. Um, And yeah, we know people who have gotten the red card last lvo for that exact reason so always important to upload your list always important to get it all sorted out better safe than sorry right oh yeah for sure
1: yeah don't don't be like me at the last couple tournaments where i literally uploaded my list at one minute before the deadline (laughs) that is hilarious what event was that Uh, socal open Oh my gosh. Yeah. I do want to say at 15 minutes to midnight, I decided I needed to rewrite my list.
2: (laughs) Oh geez. I do want to say as far as this uh, event goes, be very cognizant of adding your army mission to your list. It was one thing that I noticed during my tournament is I had to go in and explain the army mission to everybody. Look at all their, luckily during check-in I just looked at their lists and um said like oh you need to choose an army mission and so i was able to do it as part of the check-in process but you will get yellow cards if you don't have your army mission even though you passed the format check scott will be going through and checking for that army mission and if you don't have it you're getting a yellow card
0: well for anyone who's also signed up for aos champs they should have gotten a very convenient email from scott explaining that exact situation
2: Yes, and I'm I'm just reiterating that to anybody who doesn't read their emails.
0: Well, if they don't read their emails, they're already – that's problem one.
2: <laughs> yes, if they don't read their emails, they're probably not listening to us right
0: before the list deadline.
1: Yes, that's a serious technophobe. It's a modern world.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, modern world, modern repercussions. So. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, ah, you get a yellow card. Boom, there you go. Dishing them out like hotcakes. Um,
1: (laughs) oh you know what that reminds me i still have those really nice yellow cards that uh we got made for the gk open over the summer i should bring those and uh let scott use them if he needs to they're they're nice and thick so when you slap them down on the table they make some they have some mass to them
0: do you think scott would do that do you think he would be like yeah i mean because like if i was scott i would definitely use them and like be super dramatic about it but like scott's You you know what
2: get a bottle of tequila in him and he'll do whatever
1: yeah, yeah, you know, I, I swear he's
2: a tequila man. Like, we, we'll, we'll get him nice. Is and, he? He's a tequila man. Like, last LVO, walking up to day one of the champs, he had killed a bottle of tequila the night before.
0: Ooh, if Scott's listening to this, oh man, I know the secret sauce now. Yeah, so Matt, you with some tequila.
2: Well, I don't know if it affects any of his rules calls, but I definitely think if we get some tequila in him. We can get him slapping yellow cards and being all sorts of, uh, you know, aggressive with those things, I don't think anything will stop him.
0: I wanna I wanna see him just like scare some like some player who's not expecting it and be like, You get a yellow card, and to see the person get confused and like upset and like well, what's going
1: on? Yeah, that'd be awesome. You <laughs> can do like I do, and I just walk around with the big thick yellow card in my hand, slapping it against my palm as I walk past tables.
0: Oh. What you do what you gotta do? John, if you were ever to do that next uh next Winter Wars, what you gotta do is you gotta get like uh those big sunglasses, those big like like the man with no eyes <laughs> sunglasses. That would be tight just walking around slowly looking around at things maybe picking up one of the one of the players models <laughs> put it back down to the same spot you know because they're not gonna question you you got a yellow card in your hand. <laughs> you
2: know you, you could just like walk up behind someone like bill or james and just like flitter them in your hands just like <laughs> <laughs> like yeah and oh. he around, it's like yellow cards and then walk away
0: I like that a lot. I like this I a like lot. I like that too. a lot. This is brilliant. Intimidation one on one
1: by a TR, right? Oh boy. Uh maybe I'll keep that in mind for the next 40k event I run. You got to kind of pull some of that with those uh tryhards over there, but in the world of Age of Sigmar, we should have nothing but fun and fantasy, so I don't uh expect I mean, you to know John, really give one out.
2: <laughs> when, uh whenever it's uh, your turn to take a break, when Aiden and I are doing the casting, you could just start doing yellow card duty for Scott. Ooh. And you just – yeah. Like whichever one of us is not doing shoutcasting, we can be on yellow card duty.
1: You know, we might actually just do it unofficially. Like We're not even going to ask – we're just going to walk around <laughs> with the yellow cards and people will assume. <laughs> In fact, you know what? Here's a better one. You got to find the people that are eligible for uh, going on the live stream. Maybe we use the yellow card (laughs) to signal to people that they're going to go on the live stream next.
2: (laughs) Oh, that's great. Yeah, Yeah, that'd be a good one. Hey, here, this is
1: for you. What? What? Yeah, it means you're on the live stream next.
2: well we should have like in big words like yellow card and then in little words it's like you're next on the live stream
1: <laughs> oh this is great i have just enough time to make all this happen we'll see oh geez. it's not quite new vince but it'll still be fun
0: <laughs> mm, yes forgot about new vince
1: gone but never forgotten gone but never forgotten
0: mm-hmm. well let's dive in here let's talk a little bit about the missions in the age of sigmar championships so we got this packet it's five rounds age of sigmar uh, championships I love this packet because just like we talked about in our last episode, we got the rules, we got the scoring mechanics. They're all there on the pack. In addition to each page of all five missions, they have the picture of the deployment. He gives the rules of the mission uh, and states which General's Handbook it's even from. Uh, And then, of course, there is the Realm, Realmscape, Realm Command ability, and the uh, Realm spells as well as his added secondary missions that scott has added conveniently into the packet, so we don't have to go go around looking at you know three or uh four different books to get the answers or some of our questions it's all right there where we need it besides our battle tome um but you know with mission number one of course we are looking at Focal Points, but not just any Focal Points. Focal Points, General's Handbook got 2018. got it, Alex. So, yep, John, as you mentioned, take we're it doing away.
1: Focal Points 2018. Uh, the main difference for the 2018 version of the mission is the deployment map itself. Uh, it is a diagonal cut deployment map. Uh, we're going to be in the realm of Gyron, the realm of life. Now, Scott and the LVO is going to be using our Realmscape features, realm commands, as well as realm spells. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the Realmscape feature in round one is the life spring, And what that basically comes down to is you pick one of your heroes and he gets plus one wound. And you know what? That's before the battle. So uh, don't go asking me if you can add a wound to your general uh, right before I kill him. So uh, that's going to happen. Also, we have a Realm Command. uh, And then this is the one (laughs) where you can use one of your heroes. But uh, if they're not a wizard it allows them to cast the Shield of Thorns. And if they are a wizard, they just get an additional cast of Shield of Thorns. And Shield of Thorns is the one that when a unit is charged, uh, any enemy units that finish within three inches, not that necessarily charged this unit, but finishes the charge within three yin inches um, suffers d3 mortal wounds uh, this is important because if you have a second line of battle uh, bubble wrap you could actually put this on your second line of bubble wrap um, that maybe is behind multiple units and tag uh, enemies charging in from all different directions uh, beyond that you have the full complement of realmscape magic for gyren uh, not going to go through those in detail um, especially since he has all the ones from the book all i got to say is if you're a caster make sure you study these plan you see what you don't want to do is be at the table picking and reading and figuring out which spell you're going to use right then i would suggest pick one or two per round that are going to do very well for your army and then go for it so let's get right into focal points so focal points is a pretty good mission it's the one that has five objectives and basically if the player's control objectives one and three relative to their perspective they're going to get three victory points if they control the center they're going to get two victory points and then all of the other ones are worth one victory point okay and basically at the end of the day the player with the most victory points is going to win the mission one thing that's important to note uh here for the lvo is that we are working off a scoring rubric. So again, if you get a major win on this one, you're going to take 17 points. If you get a major loss, you get zero points. And in addition, you have your secondary, you have your hidden agenda, and you have your army mission. Okay. And so pay attention to each one of those. In this case, the battle plan secondary is center ground. You complete this secondary mission if you control the objective closest to the center of the battlefield at the end of the battle. Heroes count as 10 models when determining if they control the objective for this secondary. Which is interesting. It means you could actually not hold that objective for game scoring purposes, but hold it for battle plan secondary purposes so this is a mission that requires you to have a very mobile army you need to get across the field you need to hold the center and you need to hold them for at least three rounds i think it's three rounds if you can put control the center that you become unassailable um I know that if you are holding less than that for three rounds, that the opponent might still be able to pull it back from you. So that's it. That is round one, focal points. Hey, uh, Garrett, uh, any thoughts on focal points, or do you want to dive right into round two?
2: I do have some thoughts on focal points. Uh, The one thing I want to bring up is the battle plan secondaries. We didn't really get into those last episode. And the interesting thing I've noticed is that all of the battle plan secondaries make sense for the mission they're in. So like center ground is on the mission is on the only mission that has a middle objective. So you don't have to worry about the normal center ground rules where if there's two, if there's more than one, you just you need to control one of them. Um, so I like that Scott did that. And then regarding your thing about controlling the center objective for three rounds, you can actually run away with it by controlling. So it's one and three or two and four can get you three points. So, if you can, if you're able to get those ones instead of the center one, and really you can start taking, getting a lot of points really fast. This was the particular mission at Du Bois where I went from four to 18 end of round three. And then by the end of the game, it was 18 to 20. I still lost, but I was literally one objective away in turn four. If I had tabled him then instead of in turn five, I would have actually won at a four to 18 split. So you can get don't give up early on if your opponent is way ahead of you. If you're a late game army, you can just take all the objectives and two rounds of holding every objective is worth 16 points.
1: Yeah, as I say, you so, can earn up to eight points per round on this particular mission. So meaning that there are 40 maximum points available on the table. So until your opponent has scored 21 points, uh, you still have a chance to bring it back.
2: And the last point I want to make is a simple way to think about how the scoring works when you're thinking about, do I score three, one, two? Basically, all of the non-center objectives are worth one, and if you hold the two opposing ones, like one and three, you get a bonus point. So you get one point for holding each of them for two points, and then you get a bonus third point for holding both of them at the same time. That's a kind of a simplified way to think about how you're going to, when you're doing the
1: points. Well, wow, that's so, actually way clearer than the way they wrote it.
2: Yeah, you basically get a bonus point for holding yeah. Out. So, uh, Alex, do you have any thoughts on this before I move on to Duality of Death?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, this one is the old one. Um, for slow armies, they're still in the game. All because you're not mobile doesn't mean you're not out of the race. I would definitely recommend you look for the center objective and the two on your side. And if you can lean on over towards at least one of the other objectives to get the bonus points, more power to you if you're a mobile army you don't need to listen to any of that at all and you can really just dive in wherever you see fit um with this one this uh, i i think that it's going to be pretty helpful um to remember the realm command for those of you who do use command abilities because you can have those heroes who don't have spells or, and are not casters to for one command might use the um primary realm spell the shield of thorns so can be pretty convenient if you don't want your casters to have to rely on using that spell you got a, you got some options there i think that that's pretty pretty helpful um you know being able to have the center objective count as 10 um for the use of a hero is definitely also very helpful because not only are each one of the th- uh, four objectives essentially uh, or uh, four objectives that are not in the center 18 inches away from the center, but the deployment, you are only 18 inches away from your opponent's uh, deployment from their territory because you just have to be nine inches away from the start of your opponent's territory. So, you know, you're only nine inches from the center objective as well. So there's a lot to play in here. This is There's a lot of, uh, there's a very brutal combat mission for a lot of those attrition armies and once
1: yeah, they the, the, the clear the army is, ones, is, the, sorry, the real is fast is ones. Considering that we are in Gyron, don't forget that we do have the mirror pool spell, which is an 18-inch teleport for your wizard. So uh, there's a, a real possibility of some big, bad characters jumping around in this mission.
2: To clear up any possible confusion of what Alex just said, your heroes counting as ten models is only used for determining if you control it for center ground. You don't. Your heroes don't count as ten models for determining to control it for the two points during the mission.
0: Come on, man! I, I said that uh, I wasn't, you know, accidentally misreading the rules. I was just trying to, you know, get my competition to play wrong, right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I just wanted to make sure that uh, based off Alex's language, people wouldn't misinterpret what he meant to say. Um, oh, my language is meant can be
0: interpreted in whatever way people think I meant to say.
2: Okay, well, one of them is correct; the other one is not. <laughs> so let's uh, let's clear that up for everyone else.
1: <laughs> bad, bad host, Alex. Bad host. Bad, bad host. Luckily, no, no, our I- listeners can trust the word of both Garrett and I—neutral parties—that'll be shoutcasting instead of a fiendish top player that'll be gunning for your for your chonies at the tournament jeez oh, i was just trying
0: to recover from misspeaking so yeah well, okay <laughs> well we got another mission here uh you know we have of course uh round two which is going to be a good old duality of death but again it's going to be 2018 duality of death uh garrett i feel like you you got some things to share about this one
2: i do have a lot of things to share about this one so first um similar to john i'm going to start with the realm Uh, i want to so this is duality of death in the realm of gur which is the realm of beasts this is uh not a very widely played realm and that is due to when the realmscape features were first announced the realm of gur required that both players bring a beast and deploy it onto the battlefield and it's neutral and it just targets the closest enemy and it's it's super fun but in a competitive scene where you can just bring like a Chaos War Mammoth or a Carmine Dragon <laughs> or random stuff like Magma totally Dragon. Like, yeah, Magma Dragon, all sorts of crazy things you could bring that would break the balance of the game. Um, this does, Scott has decided to not have that rule, and but otherwise you play in Realm of Beasts, which is nice because I think early on in AOS 2.0, people didn't get to experience the Realm of Gur spells and some of the Realm of Gur realmscape features, which actually are fairly interesting. So the Realm Escape feature we are using is actually one that I think a lot of people are going to forget about, honestly. And But the people who don't forget about it are going to take advantage of it crazily and it's going to do a ton of damage. I'm listening. Basically what happened is if you have a unit that's within 12 inches of an enemy and you don't finish the charge phase, at the start of the charge phase, if you're within 12 inches of an enemy and that unit doesn't finish within three inches of an enemy model, you suffer a mortal wound. So you, if you have like shooting units that are within 12 inches, they have to charge or they're going to suffer a mortal wound. In addition, the turn you charge, you reroll hits of one. So everybody basically gets the free reroll hits of one command point, command ability every time they charge. So you can really take advantage of this with a strong melee based faction and it can really punish shooting marmies. So it's something that you really should keep out for. And this could be the difference in winning and losing. And then there's some really cool. Is the command ability? Is there a command ability for Realm of Beasts? I don't think so. No, I don't see any command ability.
0: I think the actually Realm of uh, Command ability that exists in yeah is um, a fight twice. Yeah,
2: it's a ridiculously powerful one. I think Scott chose not to use it. Yeah.
0: No, it's not a fight. I don't think it's a fight twice. One. I think it's something. Related to the beast. Oh,
2: actually, I think what it is, is that like on a, you use it in like on a six, you do the command, you do the combat phase twice. So your whole army attacks twice.
0: Oh, yeah, it, no, that's, a, no, that's no, 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 no. Oh, that's a oh, realm feature.
2: Future. Okay. Yeah. Well, either way, we're not using it, whatever it is. Um, the battle plan secondary for this is the first player to destroy a unit gets it. So it's first blood. So you want to go first, kill something right away, get first blood. Um, Only one person can get this. Uh, If two people somehow did it at the same time, I don't know, due to death frenzy or shield saves or something, you guys just roll off to see who gets it. So so this is going to be one of those. Well, Scott has made sure that only one player will ever get a battle plan secondary. And he has done a lot of work to make sure all of the edge cases are taken care of. And I really appreciate that. So now on to Duality of Death. Um, 2018 Duality of Death versus 2019 Duality of Death had some major changes. The deployment was changed for both of them and the 2019 Duality of Death had a crazy deployment where you deploy in the corners and so you have to split your army. This one does the opposite and you have to deploy 12 inches inside of the, so you had basically uh, 12 inches up and then 12 inches from either side is your little territory box. You kind of are shoved into the center anyways. Um, And so rather than splitting your forces, you have a central focus force. The other thing about duality of death in 2018 versus 2019 is in 2019, battle line and heroes are the two that can control it. While in 2018, it was behemoths and heroes that could control it and i feel like this was a very important decision that scott actually made to do 2018 because if you you if you did 2019 then battle line scoring the objectives battle line are kind of used to score objectives in any normal game and if this is your one hero-based mission so that some of the missions are quote-unquote hero-based missions star uh, places of arcane power three places of power and duality of death are the main ones and usually it's a only heroes can control it or something else. And the first hero that gets onto it within three inches scores it and you hold it until you're get, gotten rid of now, but ba- having battle line, be able to control it kind of defeats the purpose of that, in my opinion. And so I like that he chose 2018 duality of death. So he has a actual hero based mission where only like single models are the ones that are going to be taking it. Um, So that is my opinion. Thoughts on why Scott chose 2018 duality of death over 2019. Um, So this is a mission that only has two objectives. And uh, as I said earlier, heroes and behemoths are the only ones that can score those objectives. And you control it. If once you finish a move, pile in move or charge move within three. And uh, if you move off of the objective, you no longer control it. And to the savvy people out there, there has been a house rule added to make to clear out that instead of if you did a move off, you lose control, which means you could have teleported off and still maintain control. There is language in here that says if you check every phase, if you aren't within three, you no longer control it. Oh, so, I love it, that! It's Solid just, take it. Rule. Yeah, it's a solid house rule that just stops some abuse that some of the yeah, more savvy and uh, players that are going to just take advantage of every little edge case. And I, it's again one of the things I like. Scott he looked for edge cases that would cause negative play experiences, and that would have been one. So you do have to actually stay within three of the inches of the objective. The number of points you score is equal to the n- the number of turns that hero or behemoth has controlled it. So the first turn that you got, you're on it, you score a point. And if you still are on it next turn, you score two points, so a total of three. So it kind of like starts snowballing. But if you somehow move off of it and then move back on, you have now regained control and you go back to one point. Um, So this is going to be a mission where you're going to want to get on early and sit on for as long as you can. Because if you get to turn three or four and you've been on it the whole time and then your opponent just tables you, it doesn't matter because honestly he's going to start at one point for controlling the objectives. And you're just so far ahead at that point because you've been snowballing on both those objectives forever. So this is a a mission that rewards aggressive play. The other key point I want to talk about is behemoths being able to score it. If you have an army that turns your behemoths into battle lines, like, uh, Ma tribes with uh, stone horns and thunder tusks, or gristle gore making teragys and zombie dragons, or cities of Sigmar, uh, graywater fastness—I believe—is what makes steam tan- uh, the steam tanks. They no longer count as behemoths anymore, so they actually can't score mm-hmm. these anymore. So that is something to uh, take into account when you're playing this mission. So, uh, yeah. Alex, do you have any thoughts after that long explanation?
0: No, not at all. Um, I I like it. I think it's a good uh, mission. I am curious about. Well, I mean, I really. I'm not that curious about a lot of it. I think that it's a, good, a better idea that it is behemoths and heroes because it really makes people think a lot more. You know, because a lot of people might not have – you know, you can have your vermin lord Warpseer or your Catacross, but then you can also have your Necromancers, your small Sceven units that need to scurry, rely on scurrying away or not being in combat. Um, and, and, you know, just – your are summoners, you know, you don't want them in combat. And what if you have a, an army with no, no beefy hero? Well, thankfully they then have, maybe they have beefy, uh, uh, behemoths. And if they don't, that sucks. But, uh, you know, I, I think that's a really interesting one. Cause yeah, uh, the battle line, that's kind of the only issue that I really have with the reality of death in 2019 is just like you mentioned, definitely preaching to the choir here, but like, you know, troops are meant to hold objectives. So, why are they holding these two objectives? Um, I like the house rule about hugging objectives. It's definitely very helpful, making everyone play straight and narrow. And um, you know, the deployment is helpful too. I really prefer the deployment of one kind of uh, one big bar, one thin bar of deployment uh, rather than, say, uh, the two individual split side. I don't like splitting my forces up all that much and uh it's always like with my night haunt i always literally just null deployed on one side and just kind of went with it um with my bone reaper army it's a totally different ballpark um and and really it's just it's just easier and you don't have to worry about the nah hole being in the middle of you know in between your deployment zones when you fight against Skaven and you go well fuck <laughs> like what am i gonna do about that uh and so yeah i, I appreciate appreciate a lot more um but that's,
1: uh, that's duality. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, that we do have... I myself disagree with almost everything you guys have said. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here well, fine. You're biting my there. tongue listening to your bullshit opinions about this mission. And you are so wrong on every level. I will literally say that Duality of Death 2019 is my actual or one of my actual favorite missions in this entire game. And this Duality of Death 2018 is and has always been one of my least favorites. Um, It's the fact that it is only Heroes and Behemoth. Um, I don't like that personally. Uh, I think that the addition of the battle line uh, and Heroes to be able to hold it is uh, the right direction. I love the split deployment zone that's on the newer version. Uh, This... Current deployment zone, I have no issues with. It's just bland, as it were. Um, I do like this mission in both versions, that we have the building score when you hold that unit. Um, I think the fact that Scott <clears throat> house-ruled the um, losing the objective at the end of any phase where you're more than three inches away just shows his experience oh. as a TO. <clears throat> that's, that's all that is. And uh, so we expect that kind of stuff from him. All around. So uh, it is also worth mentioning um, that the realm of Gurr actually does not have a command ability. So that's why there's no command ability on. So that's uh, that's it. That is my disagreeing and dissenting opinion. Uh, whereas everybody expressed how much they liked Duality of Death in 2018. I, for one, can't stand.
0: It. Well, that's certainly an opinion by you, John. <laughs> But let's dive into round three. Now, round three is one of the missions that I did have uh, personal experience in testing out with our good friend and French overlord, Jeremy. Um, and that was Blood and Glory in Ashqui. Now, with this one, uh, you know, it is one of those where you are 12 inches uh, up on the board on the long edges or rather 12 inches away from enemy deployment uh, or enemy territory rather. Um, there are four objectives on the table, basically in corners, but not quite exact kitty corners like total uh, uh, total commitment. But rather, it's kind of, they're, they're a little bit more centralized. They're still pretty far away from one another. And it is one of those missions, like Knife to the Heart, where after round three, if you hold all four of the corner objectives, you win the game no matter what. Um and the battle plan secondary is if you are the last player to destroy a unit, you win the um, uh, secondary. That is final word. If neither player destroys a unit by the end of the game, the person who had killed the last model scores the secondary. Barring that, you just got to roll off. Um, this is the mission that I. I think is going to be the litmus test for all those Osiac Bone Reaper lists you're going to see who bring them to Crawler. I'm looking at you, Michael. I'm looking at you uh, because the Realmscape feature is the cloud of smoke and steam. Models cannot see other models if a straight line is drawn through the center of their base to the center of the other model's base. If it crosses a path upon a terrain feature other than open ground or hills. So that means that, uh, basically most of the terrain on the table is going to block line of sight to things like Mortec crawlers. Um, it's also useful against, you know, cities of Sigmar and other things of that nature, but no. And then of course, spellcasting, it's good against spellcasting, but, uh, you know, it's, it's going to really hurt those, those crawler lists. Uh, crawler lists, rather. Um, and, you know, the Realm Command is irrelevant in this mission because of the fact that the Realmscape features Cloud of Smoke and Steam because you can't do... You know, they already are affected by um, ignoring terrain, so there's no reason really to use Firestarter unless you want to make something very defensive and cause mortal wounds when someone gets close to it. But, of course... With Ashley come those sexy, sexy realm spells, um, specifically Stoked Rage and Inferno Blades. So, and it can disinform. Uh, So, you know, be sure to remember your missions, uh, or remember your uh, spells rather, for the mission, because you could have 30 demonettes that are damaged too, uh, and plus one wound, and, uh, you know, plus one to charge. That gets crazy real quick. So, I really like this mission, uh, uh, Realmscape, uh, and that's about as far as it goes for me. Uh, I am not a huge fan of the mission. Uh, I played this one with Jeremy. It only lasted about an hour and 20 minutes, maybe, and that was with us truly shooting the shit uh, because, and it was a super boring game because he had Fire Slayers, I had Ossiak Bone Reapers. I knew that I, there was no reason for me to go up the middle of the table. So I sat back in my deployment zone. He slowly came up to me. He wasn't exactly cracking his movement rune turn one or turn two. I he cracked it on turn four. So he was just slowly getting to my front line and not doing much each turn. And I was basically moving and buffing things up and expecting him to crack his movement rune each turn. And it was a super boring game. Now, it was very clear from the very onset of the game that no one was going to get a major win, no matter what. There was almost no way he was going to be able to wipe wipe me around. And I knew I wasn't going to wipe him off the table, despite Inferno Blades. Um, and I did roll poorly for my Inferno Bladed Mortech unit. But, uh, you know, it's it's just kind of a boring mission. And i'm not a huge fan of it so not a lot happened um he squeaked out a minor win because he killed more points uh near the end he had a a couple of clutch 12 inch charges like we talked about earlier in this episode um but neither of us were impressed with the mission we both kind of walked away going like well that was kind of a waste of time (laughs) but uh john
1: what are your thoughts on uh blood and glory Well, uh, this one, unlike the last mission, I pretty much agree with you. I'm not a huge fan. And I'll be honest, it's not the um, turn three instant win mechanic that I'm uh, opposed to. I, I think that's fine. It's I would like to see that there was an instant win mechanic, but that this mission also scored normal objectives. Because the problem is that a mission like this, unless you can get that jump mechanic and get in there and win all four objectives... Most of the time, this thing goes to a minor victory or something along those lines. And, well, that just means it comes down to kill points. And I'm never a huge fan of kill points. So this, in the end of the story, um, becomes a mission about how much of your opponent's army you can kill. Now, as you noted, Alex, this being in the realm of Akshi, in the realm of Fire, has a couple of the most powerful realm spells possible. Uh, In particular, Stoke Rage add one to wound rolls and charge rolls and Inferno Blades, which adds one to the damage characteristic of melee weapons. Uh, I can tell you whenever I can get both of those spells off on a unit of Monks, um, if monks are able to make things disappear normally, then they make a couple things disappear a turn when you get these spells up. And I'm sure uh, most armies have some kind of super unit, large unit, horde unit that can take advantage of Stoke Rage and Inferno Blades. I mean, heck, you put that on clan rats and all of a sudden they become frightening and deadly. So uh, that's my general thoughts on this one. Much like yourself, Alex, I am not a fan of of missions that force us to go to minor uh, victory most of the time. Uh, What about you, Garrett? You you got any strong opinion on this one, or are you kind of running down the center of the road with the both of us?
2: Well, the one thing I want to comment is on Alex versus Jeremy. Um, Fire Slayer is a super tough army versus uh, OCR Bone Reaper is a super tough army. Maybe your uh, initial reaction to this mission is due to two very defensive armies who neither want to blink. Which is part. Um, I mean, that 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 could be wise. If you were playing something like Night Haunt or Beast of Chaos or something that has to play more aggressively to win, I feel like you might have had a better time playing this mission.
0: Oh, fully. And and the list he brought. He brought um, Volkite Berserkers or whichever ones have the double axes, but are only one damage each. Um, you know, and several times I assumed that they were his Hearth Hearthguard Berserkers. Uh, or uh, the the Hearthguard with the the big axes rather than the um the the fire glaives. and so like three different times in the game, I asked him, and, and Ben Schmoller came up, our good friend Ben Schmoller of T shift fame, uh, had was visiting, so he was watching the game, and like three or four different times, I was just like, so they're 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 one damage, they're not two damage, and he was like, yes, Alex, they're one damage, and like I think by the third time, he's like, yes, Alex, they're one damage, and I'm like, okay, cool, got it. And I was like, wow, my Nighthunt would have fucking loved this list. Because it's like, just kill everything except for the the 20-man Earthguard block and just then move around from there. And so this list, yeah, I was a defensive army, so I had no ability to do that. That that just kind of proves my point
2: that your reaction to this mission, like you're saying you hate this mission because of one anecdotal piece of evidence that was based on okay like so th- that's just my point of like when you're because you immediately said oh if i was playing night Hunt, this would be a great mission and so it's like it's not actually a bad mission you guys just had a bad matchup on this mission so it's kind of an unfair judgment of the mission um per- okay, well, you know personally what? i don't like the Why mission either.
0: Oh! oh yeah. So it comes out. Oh,
2: it comes well, I just, out. I just didn't like the oh, reason you, you didn't s- like this mission because you didn't like the mission for a very uh, non-objective <laughs> way reason. What? So I just wanted what to mention
0: uniting the mission, and you're like, oh yeah. By the way, I, I, I hate don't like I.
2: From, honestly, I'm going to say from a streaming perspective, as a, going in as a shoutcaster, I think this is a, not a great mission because honestly, the game could end early. And who wants a stream to end early? Like That's less content time for me to talk about. And so having a mission that uh, has a uh, victory condition that can cause the, the game to end a third of the way through or three fifths of the way through, no, I don't really like that. Um, Oh, you
1: know what, Garrett? You may have just hit on a super important point I hadn't thought about. You know, uh, you and I uh, have been given control over which armies will appear on the stream. And part of, I think, what we'll pick is not only gorgeous playing armies, but ones that will actually execute the mission in an interesting way. So we need to find ourselves some really aggressive mobile armies to, uh, to pick for this particular mission for the live stream.
0: Well, Speaking of aggressive missions, um, the next mission, uh, Battle for the Past in 2019, round four, um, while everyone's hung over on Saturday morning um, in Realm of Shadow, that one requires a super aggressive army, don't you think,
1: John? Yeah, I think so. Um, one of the things, I, I prefer missions like this. This uh, encourages aggression, encourages you to get across the field. Now, everybody, if you're familiar with Battle for the Past 2019, this is the one where the deployment is a triangle um, in each of the... It's sort of a long ways deployment with a triangular deployment zone. I myself have found that my larger Skaven armies pretty much fill up that triangle. So there's not a lot of strategy of how I start off in there. It just kind of fills it all up. And I think a lot of armies with a big footprint have that issue. Uh, One of the other things is if you have like a you know, two catapults or a heavy artillery section, it's going to be very concentrated. Now, the thing is, you're going to be concentrating it right behind that four-point objective. Um, so, you know, when you go across the board, it is only, what is that, 30 inches from center objective to center objective? No, 36 inches, actually, as I look at the uh, the board here. Uh, so you got 36 inches to get across there. You're going to have the heart of your opponent's army right there. And so that's that's kind of the nasty stuff. Let's look at the rest of this. We're going to be in the realm of Ugu, the realm of Shadow. And so right off the bat, we're going to have a battle plan secondary. This one's going to be line breaker. So you complete the secondary if you destroy more than one more battle line units than your opponent. And it's important that I mention that because those of us that play 40K think of line breaker as something completely different. Line breaker is typically uh, end up with units in your opponent's deployment zone. In this case, it means you're breaking the battle line uh, literally. And it also says that if you both have destroyed the same number, uh, then you have a roll-off. How fun. Uh, After that, we're going to have the Realmscape feature. It's going to be in the Realm of Shadow. And myself, again, I'm a big fan of the Realm of Shadow. I like all the jumping around. So this is the one where you get to pick up a unit. Every single round, you pick a unit that's within six inches of any edge of the board and you set it up more than nine inches away from enemy units also within six inches of a different edge of the battlefield. That's an important one. It does specifically say different edge. So you can't jump from one side of your battle line of your uh of the board to the other. You actually have to pick a different corner. Um and this creates a constant threat. So any point in the game you could have units coming in from any angle. There's a lot of armies that can take advantage of that. Uh, we also have the realm command ability and that is basically uh going to let you use a similar realm command where you can basically jump from the edge of the board, come back in six inches. Um, I guess, I guess it actually ends up that you can do it twice. If you use the command ability and the realmscape feature, Uh, the nice thing about the command ability Uh, is that you don't necessarily, uh, no, I'm sorry, I take that back. You do not have to roll. So at least with the command ability, you're not going to use any units. Um, Other than that, we have, once again, we have seven spells. I don't want to go through all the spells. You just have all of the Realm of Shadow spells available to you. Some of these are pretty strong, having moves, causing mortal wounds, that kind of stuff, reroll failed wounds, Enfeebling is one to look at, and like I've said before, before you go in, don't go in thinking that you're going to play with all seven spells. Pick one or two that are good for your army and focus on them. So that's uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking about with the Battle for the Past 2019 uh garrett do you have any uh, thoughts on this one yourself i just have a couple of quick
2: thoughts um first kind of actually general about all the missions the one thing i want to point out is what you need to pay attention to is after round one rounds two through five all start 24 inches away so unlike many of the 2019 uh missions that we've been used to playing throughout the year you these are mostly going to be 24 inches away so you're going to have to take that into account if you're used to alpha striking with a pseudo fast army that is not incredibly fast the other thing i want to mention is when it comes to major victory minor victory and draw points destroyed is actually not used in any way shape or form and actually we there is a margin of victory based system to determine if you get a major win or a minor win and otherwise you actually get a draw which is an 8 versus 8 points. So those are two very important things I think you have to keep in uh when you realize throughout the entire event as a whole. On um, this oh, part wait
1: a second. So so what does that mean for uh Blood and Glory?
2: Then? It means that whoever so you get a major for controlling all 3 at the end of 3 or later or all 4 and if you if neither player uh, controlled all 4 that's whoever controls the most gets a minor victory, otherwise it's a draw. So that that's just a very simple did you control, do you control all of them? No. Did you control the most? If so, minor, else draw. Um. Okay. So yeah, uh, then the, my one point about this particular mission I want to make is this has a very restrictive deployment zone and it makes it very hard to have board control to prevent uh, ambushes and deep strikes. So people who have like deep striking shooting units can easily get and threaten a lot of your uh very critical units as you have to be very careful with how you do your screening and you may have to play more aggressively than on turn one than you normally would to start getting that board control that you're used to on a larger deployment zone as an army as a person who likes to play ambush based mechanics like living city legion of night and sylvaneth i love this mission because i always take advantage of my opponent not having a lot of board control in turn one when
1: they give me the top of turn. That's nice. And that's, of course, why being in the realm of Ugu is a nice compliment to this one.
2: Yep. All right, Alex, do you have any final thoughts before we move on to round five?
0: None whatsoever. I like the mission. I like the objectives. I like the ambush mechanic there as the realm's uh, escapability. And my actual favorite is the spells. I love Bridge of Shadows. Or uh, not, British Shadows. Yeah, British um, Shadows. Uh, yeah, British Shadows. Hey, you got it right. Um, but we do have that other one, that final one before top eight. And of course, this is going to be Star Strike. We all love and know 2019 Star Strike, specifically not 2018. Um, and this is going to be the second of the two LVO missions that I have tested out. It is in the realm of Hyish. And uh, battle plan secondary is C's. You complete the secondary. You control more of the objectives at the end of the battle than your opponent. Uh, you can then count uh, battle line units as double the number of models uh, for controlling the center objective, uh, only for the purpose of scoring the secondary. Note that it will not stack with the Might makes right allegiance ability for Ogre March Maw Tribes. If so, that would get nutty. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it is, uh, it's real fun. Um, seize is going to be a helpful one. Dazzling Glow, as mentioned earlier, uh, was, is subtract one to hit for attacks that target that unit that is in cover. I, of course, totally misunderstood the wording of cover and the wording of that because I put Arkin out. In an area where he could never be affected by cover. So that was my fault for not fully understanding the rules. Knowing that uh, behemoths and monsters could never hold an objective, or not hold objective, could never uh, uh, get any sort of benefit for cover doesn't mean anything compared to that, because it just means if you're a monster, you don't get cover. Flat F. So, good thing to remember, people. Um, but the Realm Command is the one that is actually kind of crazy. It's strike quickly. You can use this command ability to start at the combat phase. If you do so, pick one friendly unit within three inches of a hero or 12 from your general, and that's within three inches of an enemy. The unit immediately fights instead of later in the combat phase. So, you can do a strike first mechanic if you have enough command points. So, get to it, guys You have lots of command points. Um, very, very helpful. Very helpful. Um, and then you know uh, the spells. The uh, uh, spells are pretty good, um, just like uh, you know realm of shadow and realm of fire. There are some real useless ones and or, or situational ones, and then there's ones that should almost always be used. Banishment is my absolute favorite, especially when you fight against twenty hearthguard berserkers and you're moving them twenty four inches away. Very helpful, um, but you know that's just my opinion. Uh, Star Trek's great. I think that Star Trek's a big litmus test mission. Depend, you really got to play very smart with this one. But, John, what are your thoughts
1: on final mission being, uh, being this one, being uh, Star? Well, Strike? first off, I really like Star Strike 2019. Um, it's funny as I look at this mission objectively, I should not like it. There's you know, with the random nature <clears throat> of everything. Uh, a few things, the fact that you roll the center first and then somebody gets to, to go. All these things. I'm I'm not a fan. But every time I've played Star Strike, I've had a lot of fun. I've done well with this mission. It's led to some dynamic, challenging games. Um, so I'm, though like I said, I normally would not be a fan of this type of mission. In actual play, this has always proven to be an amazing, uh, amazing one for me. Um, other than that... Um, this is just, it's, it's a nice little mission. You know, you're going to be in the realm of Hish, uh, the realm of light. And, you know, that has all those covers. It's funny, as you were talking about the whole cover relative to, uh, behemoths and heroes, uh, I was forced to go ahead and open up the core rule book. Uh, which clearly says, uh, let's see, cover, uh, add once units if they're Holy Honor within a terrain feature when the roles are made. This modifier does not apply at the combat phase, and here it is, and never applies to units containing models with the monster or war machine keyword that have a wounds characteristic of eight or more. So you could possibly, I don't know if there's any monsters or war machines. I guess Skaven has some war machines with less than 8 wounds, but other than that I'm not sure uh what falls into those categories that has less than 8. Corgi. Corgis,
2: 6-wound monsters. Yes. Go
1: go go. There you go. So those guys still get some cover and they're still going to be minus 1 to hit. Other than that, everyone else, SOL, too bad. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. I'm not a huge fan of the Realm of Light, but I think it's an important one to have. And if you got to go through five realms, it's one of the five I would pick. And, of course, Star Strike, a mission I should not like, but somehow I always have fun playing it. Uh, So that's it. That's my (laughs) thoughts. Uh, This is a a great one to use those 12-inch little pads on, too, just for what it's worth.
2: So I know Alex is going to be uh, tapping his watch and trying to get us uh, off real quick because we are running well over time now. But I just want to have some quick thoughts. One, uh, the realm command ability, I do not have time to get into how this affects the uh, war of activations and the way that the stack works, but it is one of the more powerful versions of those, is all I'll say, because it happens at the start of the command phase, combat phase when you use it. So uh, educate yourself on how... Uh, the War of Activations actually works with uh different phases trumping each other. That's all I'm going to say there. And the other thing is Banishment. While Alex says it's a very important spell, I also want to caution people from using it too uh, freely, because your opponent is the one that gets to set up the unit. So you could end up uh, allowing your opponent to take a unit that yes, was threatening your wizard right there, but put them on actually a very positive position on the other side of the board. Cause they just have to be anywhere more than 24 inches away from the caster and nine inches away from enemy models. They're just like, okay, I'll just go 60 inches to the other side of the board and go to this very critical point over here. So be, v- be careful when you cast banish up make sure you have board control because your opponent can't just redeploy his unit to an actual more vo- valuable position. Um, and then as far as
1: well, that's some that's some amazing advice, Garrett. I, I think I'm going to take that one to heart myself next time I play this mission. Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: and then as far as liking the mission, um, like John, uh, I shouldn't like this mission. But I do I think causing 2d6 inches as opposed using 2d6 dice, as opposed to 1d6 dice to determine where they land really stops the randomness. And honestly, gift from the heavens from General's Handbook 2016. The very first General's Handbook was actually my favorite mission ever. I really liked the tactical play of how that worked. This the Star Strike is a little different since they the you you don't have that tactical play of them coming down in hero phases. Instead, of they're coming down at the start of the battle rounds. But I've actually always liked the meteors coming down and the mad dash to go score them. So it is one that I should hate, but I just love.
0: Okay. Well, we do have to wrap it up for today. Unfortunately, we were unable to get to our speculations in the top eight. But before we do so, um, you guys want to give just one or two more minutes talking a little bit about uh, what you guys going on for uh, LVL?
1: Sure. I'll go inside. Well, as everybody's probably figured out by this point, we've been talking about it on uh, Twitter, on Facebook, and even Lost Lost last podcast, Garrett uh, myself, and of course, Mr. Adan Tejada of the Lords and Heroes podcast are going to be doing the shoutcast uh, for the LVO next week. Uh, it looks like it's going to be <clears throat> all three of us taking turns on Friday with Garrett and I all day Saturday. And then again, all three of us taking turns on Sunday. Uh, we will... Uh, be the ones picking the actual armies that go on the live stream so we're going to be looking out for interesting armies interesting lists and of course beautifully painted armies if your army is not looking top notch don't even think that you're going to get onto that live stream
2: I accept so, bribes
1: uh, uh, John doesn't I though do so <laughs> John, John and so if, you got, don't if you bribe me you got a
2: 50-50 shot I just had to convince John that's it <laughs>
1: That's fair. That's uh, fair. And you guys have heard Garrett and I talking on this podcast. And uh, if we're going to say who convinces who of things most often, it's not me convincing Garrett of jack shit. So I'm just saying you got two people.
2: One of them does accept bribes and one of them hates it. That's a 50-50 shot, man. Just go for it.
1: Hey, here's one thing.
0: Here's one thing. Garrett really likes cider, everyone. Um, he really enjoys it. I think he likes dry cider. Dry cider, cider is I'm good cider. Sure, but I think he does. There you go. Pop dry cider in, he in likes particular, dry cider, everyone. Uh, mm. You can also bribe John Just <laughs> don't expect to get anything that you want That's out true. of it. That's true. I will say like, nice
1: things about you. you buy me a, a bourbon or likes, something he, like John that. Uh, also, I should mention <laughs> that uh, Garrett, Alex, and I are also going to be interviewing players, uh, both top players and interesting players, so... Uh, do look for us to maybe uh, seek you out or talk to you. If you want to get on the pod- podcast, go ahead and hit us up, whatever. If you've got something interesting going on, we're going to be talking to all kinds of people at the LVO and uh, building up some content that we'll probably dish out over the next uh, few weeks afterwards too. So uh, that's, that's all I have to say, Garrett, what is your, your mad thoughts on uh, our live stream next
2: week. Well, I'm hoping I'm going to be able to pull a lot of data from all of the lists, like what units were taken and distributions and things like that. And I think it'd be a lot of fun to discuss that during some of the lull periods or how that might affect uh, current placings and things like that. So I'm really excited to dig into that. And I definitely want to hear feedback on what people want. I'm
1: glad you said that because uh, I myself was also thinking the same thing, that you and I would have a chance to uh, pull a lot of the lists, not just the people on the live stream, and really start digging into lists and discussing uh, what people are putting out there. So, uh, cool.
2: Yeah, so I, I'm 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 actually interested in um between now and LVO, if people have feedback of what sort of data they would like, um I'm able to grab. Basically, all units taken, number of those units, points spent on those units, roles the units uh, were in, relics taken, spells taken. Um, if there's anything in particular, any sort of like graph or graphic or uh, just distribution of data that you want to see, let us know. And uh, I'm interested in hearing what the community wants so I can start building those scripts and uh, generating that data, those uh, analysis analyses.
1: Yeah. And and for what for what it's worth, folks probably don't know this about Garrett or I. But um, professionally, both of us are math guys uh, who have some specialty in statistics. So actually, if you guys really want to see some some neat data analysis message, either one of us and uh, I'm sure between the two of us, we can do some crazy numbers. Or commentary. comment on our if you Twitter, know what the Facebook day of a particular unit is, I got that.
2: Yeah, or you. just comment on our Twitter, <laughs> Facebook or anywhere that you get the podcast so we can just get the information you don't need to hit us up directly.
1: Oh, yeah, that would be awesome. Exactly. Hitting us up on Twitter would be amazing.
0: Do do hit them both up on Twitter. They both have personal accounts. And, of course, we do have the Wide World of Wargaming on Twitter as well. So come follow us, the hosts, or the podcast and or the podcast itself. If you guys have any uh, anything you guys want to say to us, uh, whether it's something nasty or if it's, um, you know, just uh, something you want to see or even questions you might have, do uh, give us a shout out at the Wide World of Wargaming or Wide World Wargaming. And, uh, yeah, do give us a like on Facebook and Apple Podcasts or, of course, wherever you get your podcast. We'll dive into a little bit more LVO coverage next week, and uh, we hope to see you guys there. Uh, this is going to be Alex, John, and Garrett signing off for the evening. Night, Night. folks.
2: Winning is not a sometime thing. It's an all-the-time thing. You don't win once in a while, and you don't do things right once in
1: a while. You do them right all the time. Winning is a habit.